Hello friends and welcome back. I just finished recording up this episode and I want to give a little bit of transparency here because it is a long one, but I don't intend to chop this one up and give it to you in multiple segments like I do the other longer episodes because one, I want you to be able to skip over this if you don't want to listen to uh, my personal narrative and it's kind of one cohesive thought all the way through, or at least hopefully it comes across that way in the end. Okay, well, if I haven't scared you off yet, um, tune in. Good morning, quarantine! Welcome! I'll go by Gerg during our time together, and you, my smart and capable friend, may or may not be well-versed in what this channel is all about. Because it's been a hot minute since the last real episode. But if you stick with me on this one, this may well make up for that because I'll be taking a different approach this go-around. Maybe I'll bore you away, maybe not, but I figured you deserve some insight into good old Gerg. So let's jump into it. Kicking off our deep dive into the resilience of the social domain, it'd be rude of me to continue the relationship any further without offering some insight into who I am and how I operate. As I said in the previous recording, I can make up excuses all day about why it took so long to jump back into things with this podcast, in case you're interested, I'm sure I'll touch on those throughout the episode. One of the core and driving factors to resilience is the conception of truth. What beliefs are you treating as truth to the extent that they drive or restrict your actions? And by that I mean, what is the truth about what you want, and what is the truth about our situation? Think about it. Concepts of objectivity, or recognizing the situational truth, mindfulness, becoming in tune with the truth of the present, gratitude, realizing the truth of the blessings in our life, awareness and reflection, understanding the truth about our attention and intentions, and then values, goals, purpose, um, that is recognizing the truth behind our real reason for operating. Those sound a lot like the themes of the series so far, so uh, that's why I've rattled them off. The fact of the matter is that if we all knew and understood ultimate truth about ourselves, about the world, about actions and consequences, then there would hardly be any valid reason for not fulfilling our purpose and ultimately reacting to any situation in the best way possible. So why do we have such a hard time accepting the truth? Well, speaking from personal experience, accepting the truth demands change and change is hard. As much as we may like or dislike our current circumstances, we may become accustomed to rhythm and disrupting that rhythm is difficult. More often than not, the way we are living is according to the truth as we see it, you know, our perspective, which is ultimately filtered through our own beliefs and perceptions. When we dig to discover actual truth, we often find that we need to adjust how we operate, which inevitably requires disrupting our rhythm. Boo. Okay, so what am I getting to here? Well. I set a limit for myself a while back, stating that I wouldn't continue and thus ultimately complete this series until I offered an episode on my experiences and personal insights. It seemed simple enough, but as I went about trying to write up my notes, I kept getting stuck. Sure, I could list out all the core topics for each episode and list ways that I use those concepts and skills. In fact, looking back at my original notes as I draft up uh, the new ones here, that's exactly what I did you know, about six months ago. But I knew that isolated anecdotes wouldn't be overall helpful either to you or to myself. I knew that I needed to offer more comprehensive understanding 
about why I do the things I do and how that relates to the resilient skills I either choose or neglect to employ. I needed to understand the truth as it relates to my life. I also started digging deeper into the historical claim to you know the way, the truth, and the life, um, which has ultimately been a significant part of my journey, but every journey has to start somewhere, and that's more or less what I want to cover in this episode. So with that, if you stick around, bless you, um, but you aren't necessarily going to get the same flavor that you do with all the other episodes. This one is going to be a bit more personal, but let's get into it. My journey began, as does with anyone else, with the puzzle pieces of my childhood and how those fit together into who I am today. So brace yourselves, because this is going to be a, uh, well, not-so-wild ride. Um, my life growing up was, for the most part, incredibly casual. I didn't grow up in luxury, but I certainly had every need met. No hardship or struggle. My family lived outside of town, in an area where housing was scattered by uh, lots of open property. While we hardly lived in a remote area, living outside of town meant that I wasn't among my peers um, in school-adjacent neighborhoods, and a lot of home-life interaction with other people mostly limited to the adults that came to visit my parents. No big deal. But that being the case, I grew up with somewhat of a more independent personality and adopted more mature mannerisms earlier than most people do. Even still, though, looking back, I craved acceptance and affirmation from others. This craving was also likely further encouraged by the fact that my sister needed significantly more developmental attention uh, while we were growing up. I'm guessing these handful of reasons are why I grew into somewhat of a people pleaser and social chameleon, meaning that I had a tendency to naturally kind of mirror a person's personality while interacting with them. Pretty useful, uh, at least for making friends. And while these tendencies were great for building a good reputation with my peers, the underlying intent was kind of counterproductive to developing deeper relationships. In retrospect, I feared rejection so much while growing up that I put my social attention towards being likable rather than building genuine relationships. This isn't to say that I was dishonest necessarily, because of course I wanted to do the right thing, so lying wasn't part of my social character, but I certainly did not express my genuine self. To that I mean I didn't put my full personality out there, because subconsciously I didn't want to risk, quote, scaring off, uh, you know, a potential friend. Ironically, this is exactly why I hardly ever developed meaningful relationships. It's kind of telling, actually, that as I'm going through this, uh, this is the reason I had such a hard time pushing through to developing uh, this chapter of the channel, that being, you know, the social resilience piece. Because developing mental resilience skills starts with individual pursuit, as does the first step of spiritual growth and discovery of purpose. However, those next steps, uh, mentally or spiritually, cannot be taken alone, and so the importance of social resilience comes into play. Okay, so back to the narrative. Junior high and middle school is the first time I started understanding the concept of grades, and this may feel offbeat, but stick with me. As soon as I realized there was merit and accolade to doing well in class, I started paying more attention and pushing to do well in the classroom. I'll let you interpret that how you will. Not that this is some kind of unique circumstance, but looking back, I started performing better because of my desire to be admired for doing you know, the right thing again, rather than the desire to learn the subjects themselves. Basically, I did well only to the extent that measured performance was concerned, and I would say probably because of this, procrastination plagued my academic career, um, whether I was doing well or poorly. 
I've seen this sentiment extend throughout my ambitions. And if you ask the question of what I truly wanted in life, I doubt I could have given a anything more than a superficial answer. Sure, I had answers growing up uh, to what my plan was, and from the outside looking in, there's no real reason to question those plans. I was a good kid growing up. I acted somewhat independent. I could rattle off the justification for going to college and um, getting an engineering degree, which is which what I chose to do, and pursuing a uh, pension-promising career. Why would anyone risk disrupting what seems like a solid plan um, like that? Well, again, if you had asked me why I wanted these things, my answer would have been a combination of, well, you know, the money and uh, good job security and good hireability. But the concept of, okay, well, so what, uh, wasn't really there. Now, let me be clear here. The support I had was anything anyone could ask for. It's the kind of support that any parent dreams of being able to provide their child. I certainly don't begrudge my parents for raising me the way they did. I had, I had this conversation with my mom and the last thing I wanted to do was come off as ungrateful and because I know my mom listens to these, hi mom, I love you. Nevertheless, there is merit to the challenging of ideas. Generally speaking, avoiding social confrontation will only provide a false assurance of the ideas and beliefs that are held, or in my case, never shine a light on the fact that there weren't really any underlying beliefs to begin with but rather it was simply trying to meet the fulfillment of expectation, probably on a social scale. Fast forwarding a bit in my story, and I struggled my way through college, uh, still holding on to my poor study habits and mostly desiring passing grades in the hope of putting particular subjects behind me. In my opinion, this isn't necessarily the best way to go about uh, learning new things, right? All the same, I still had a goal pulling me forward, and that was to graduate and enter the workforce so that I could make money and do the things that I wanted to do. Um, not that I could necessarily articulate what those things were. Now, fast forwarding again, I, along the way I got married, bought a house, had a kid, and for a while, there was enough going on in my life to keep me pretty well distracted. Work began picking up, there's plenty of projects to do around the house, and uh, plenty of media and video games to keep my attention otherwise. I knew that if I kept on keeping on, I would continue to be able to remain in my small pocket of the universe largely undisturbed. And if I had to guess, I'd imagine this sounds pretty familiar to a lot of people. It wasn't until my first kid came along that I realized what it felt like to not have reliable control over my time and attention. Work started feeling more draining and I started asking questions. Uh, ultimately, I felt like I was making little progress in anything meaningful. I started feeling like I was going around in a circle and getting nowhere, and I couldn't stand the thought of continuing like that indefinitely. I started feeling completely lost in my own life despite having just about every blessing I could possibly hope for, um, whether it be health, a college degree, good career, wife, kid, house, etc. All the same, I constantly felt burnt out between work and home life, and I was even resentful for the achievements I had experienced up until that point due to the lack of long-term meaning they seemingly provided. To top it off, I was frustrated that I felt this way at all. Given what I had in my life, these feelings didn't make any sense. Was I so selfish that I couldn't appreciate what I had? Why couldn't I just accept my good fortune and move on? Obviously, as being a bit overdramatic, because my kid wouldn't always be an infant and I wouldn't always be doing the same level of work, but even still, I couldn't discount the realization that I did not, in fact, know what I wanted from life. And looking back, 
uh, I didn't know if I ever had for that matter. And that kind of, that hit me pretty hard. Ultimately, I realized that this feeling came from a lack of purpose. And there had to be more to life than just checking the boxes of society's standard for, quote, you know, successful life. Eventually, I was fed up with my unjustified self-pity, and I committed to finding my purpose. The problem was, I had no clue where to start. However, I did have an idea of where I then currently stood, and I understood the areas of my life where I was falling short. So, at minimum, those areas were as good of a place to start as any, right? Independent of any traditional personal development pursuit, I started trying to learn more about finance and investing, something that was you know, quantifiable and visible. I mentioned this before, but a pattern started to appear in various books and courses that I consumed. Almost all of them claimed that true improvement in one area of your life requires growth in other areas of your life. Okay, cool. Well, unfortunately, um, get good only carries motivation so far. Sure, I could have personally gone full force into my physical or financial health, but if I couldn't rationalize or justify the decision to continue, any progress I made would likely be lost because of inconsistent beliefs with self um, and circumstance. And I've mentioned that quite a bit before in previous episodes. Uh, but this is why it was so important to cultivate a foundation for growth in all areas but this is exactly why it's so important to cultivate a foundation for growth in all areas, even if we only focus or we want to only focus on one. As an aside, the error in not doing this is exemplified in the classic lottery winner who ends up exactly where they started off or worse after uh, mismanaging their prize. Sustained growth requires the foundation in order to support it. It's all about that base. Am I right? Over the course of a couple of months, my eyes were opened up to a new world of personal development and I couldn't get enough of it. The broad new world of growth and development was exciting, but it was also intimidating. There was so much that could be done to improve, whether it be wealth, physical health, emotional health, mental health, spiritual health, trade skills, productivity, uh, leadership ability, teaching ability, um, relational skills as a husband, parent, friend, mentor, you name it. The opportunity for growth was endless, and the more I learned, the broader the opportunities became. Frankly, it quickly went from enlightening to uh, overwhelming. There was so much that could be improved in my life, but obviously it couldn't all be done at once. Okay, so what, what do I, what do I, or what do we do about this? Well, the concept of essentialism teaches that the more areas or directions you try to pursue at once, the less progress you will make in any um, and every single one of those. So the response to this is to assess what the one thing is that will make eventual progress in all the necessary areas easier. So if you've been following along, these kind of seem like conflicting ideas, right? Well, on one hand, cultivate a foundation for growth to support all areas, but find that one area that will encourage growth in all areas. Great, even personal development contradicts itself. Well, to be fair, that actually does happen quite often. The more you read into uh, this area, uh, the, the more often you'll find people contradicting what someone else will say, because that's what worked for them, right? If you position yourself to grow in all areas, but commit your attention towards growth in a given area, then the ideal outcome is discovering that continued growth in the focus area incentivizes growth in other areas. Okay, so for example, I discovered that the more attention I commit to trying to help 
and mentor other people, the more aware I am of my own health, relationships, convictions, and ambitions. This is because I can't stand the, the thought of being a hypocrite, and I want to set the example to the best of my ability. But rewinding again, honestly, for a while, I didn't know what this one area of my life was. And as much as I learned, I didn't necessarily seem to be changing anything but my mindset. However, this wasn't a bad thing, right? Because as I alluded to before, what I came to realize was that I had to grow my mindset in order to accept the concept and importance of growth before I could cultivate the foundation for growth in other areas of my life. This is exactly the reason why I chose to begin this podcast series with discussing mindset, because this is the way that I set the stage for eventually making progress in other areas of my life. Okay, I got ahead of myself again. Um, but after absorbing a good amount of feel-good knowledge and you know mind-broadening concepts with all the, the content I was consuming, I finally began practicing some fundamental skills once I read the book Miracle Morning, which is a decent starter for uh, maintaining routines and practicing foundational habits designed to allow for daily achievement. The five habits the book focuses on are meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journalism. Now, full transparency, my intent here isn't to necessarily endorse the book Miracle Morning and all the practices involved. I'll leave that to your discretion based on your desire to cultivate your foundation in whatever way works for you. But for me, the clarity in seeing and justifying a viable routine uh, to jumpstart each day was exactly what I needed to start taking action personally. Of these practices, though, not all of them had a profound impact on my development. I've heard great things about journaling, but you know, truthfully, it didn't really stick well with me. And that's exactly one of the reasons why I considered turning to audio bites uh, to condense my thoughts rather than writing them down on paper. Maybe I'll get to the point where journaling becomes a habit. Unfortunately, it's not there yet. To one of the other habits uh, pushed by the book, you know, I do read often and I think it's healthy, but it wasn't one of those things that was necessarily revolutionary for me either. Um, maybe this is because I do read somewhat regularly already and uh, adding that to my schedule didn't bring about a whole lot of change. Uh, I do obviously endorse the benefits of reading, but you know, this is just me talking. Okay, so to some of the other habits, obviously there are merits to meditation and mindfulness and physical exercise, but I wouldn't necessarily say those are what guided me to my ultimate driving focus. However, in following along with these six habits for, um, for a while after having read the book, looking back, the combination of mindfulness and journaling started encouraging me to recognize the blessings I already had in my life. Um, just in the, the peaceful silence and you know, meditative action of mindfulness and um, the recording of things that happened throughout my day and things I was grateful for. And these ultimately combined into the practice of gratitude. Uh, not only did this help me return to the present and cope with uh, any potential overwhelm, but it also started training my mind to more easily identify similar blessings. My attention was more turned to focus on the joys of my family, the satisfaction in momentary conveniences and pleasures, and even the appreciation of challenging circumstances that provided opportunities for mental and emotional growth. Not only did it become easier to recognize my blessings, but it also became harder to dismiss my gratitude for them. So that's my two cents on gratitude. Um, like I said, it was kind of the combination of doing journaling and of mindfulness or meditation that led me to that conclusion, and I do recommend it. 
So jumping to one of the other habits pushed by the book, uh, similar to gratitude, regularly practicing affirmation forced me to reflect, but this time on those areas of my life I wanted to improve. Uh, what did I want to be true about myself? Of course, as I mentioned in the episode discussing affirmation, this works best when you start affirmation from those areas of genuine truth. It's one thing to affirm that, you know, quote, I am wealthy in many areas of my life and I recognize the opportunity for honest financial gain. It's far and away another thing to simply repeat on loop that, you know, I am a filthy rich millionaire. You can kind of sense the difference there, right? Well, in my affirmations, I focused on confidence, leadership ability, creativity, uh, energy, focus, physical health, and being a good husband, father, and um, also in trusting in God. All of these things were areas that were ones that I knew I had some level of depth, but I didn't experience that sense of being any kind of model in, and that being because of infrequent practice and uh, consideration. But by regularly declaring these qualities as truths about myself, I began to more often recognize when I was demonstrating these traits and more importantly, when I ought to apply more intention towards them. I started practicing these affirmations daily and I added context to each one in order to firmly cement supporting examples. And I did that so that I wouldn't backslide into doubt or dismissal um, or discouragement when it came to any of these qualities. Okay, so moving on to one of the other practices from Miracle Morning. Of the practices I mentioned, the last one that was uniquely impactful was visualization. I didn't actually get very far in developing this one because it centers wholly on uh, what you want. And as I've said before, this is something with which I have definitely struggled. Um, what was my vision? Well, I, I knew I wanted a good life uh, for my family. I wanted the freedom to have control over my time and attention. And um, so, okay, maybe financial independence and the means of some kind of passive cash flow is, is what I was looking for, but to what end? If left to my own devices with no objection to financial cost, how would I want my life to look? Well, materially, I probably want uh, living conditions that fit my personality. I'd like a functional home that provoked modest inspiration. I'd favor living somewhere where it felt like an escape from you know societal noise, and yet I'd want it to be accommodating uh, to social engagement and you know probably also close to a Costco, if I'm being honest. Okay, so that covers living conditions, but what about occupation? What what would occupy my time? Yes, of course, spending time with my family would be part of it, but is that where all my attention would go? And realistically, no. I'd also long for some kind of activity uh, or continued pursuit with which to engage. Well, after thinking about it for a minute, the most ideal occupation I could conceive of at the time was something that centered on sharing ideas, uh, teaching, chatting, collaborating, um, which are some of my favorite pastimes, and ultimately all with the goal of growth and problem solving. I also reflected back on times that I was most dedicated to my assigned work, and those times almost always involved guiding others, either in an academic setting, uh, physical coordination and synchronization routines, or job training. Kind of combining these casual preferences and uh, favored occupational work with my latest passion for personal development, and the closest thing I could relate to in this regard was something in, in the realm of being a life coach or professional mentor. Basically bringing this 
basically, bringing this back to visualization, projecting forward, I would have to build some kind of business based on encouraging growth and success on an individual or team level. The success of this business would afford my lifestyle and promote well-being to those around me. Cool. Visualization complete. No need to dwell on that for the time being. Or so I basically told myself at the time. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you start to commit part of your regular attention towards something each day, um, that something starts to root itself deeper into who you are, for better or for worse. And that's why it's so important to tell yourself the right things or to, to motivate yourself in the right kind of way. But for me, this combination of affirmation and visualization, however vague it was, um, clearly in retrospect, got the ball rolling towards that becoming a reality. I discussed this idea more in depth during the episode, including the so-called law of attraction, um, which does have merit to it in this regard. And for reference, that's also episode 12. Shameless plug. So as you recall, this is all part of that, um, that morning routine, Miracle Morning. And after I started this regular routine, I started to get more engaged with my work group. And so I started organizing enthusiastic members around the concepts of growth and personal development. And I thoroughly enjoyed guiding these discussions and encouraging consideration in uh, topics of interest. Unfortunately, as the way things always seem to go, I was in the process of relocating to a new division of my organization in another state. And so as much as I wanted to make this small team impactful, remaining engaged to the point of commitment and depth did not come to fruition, unfortunately. In terms of the move, I'll be honest, even though there's lots of exciting prospect in terms of a new job opportunity, and even though uh, we were moving closer to family, the move still significantly threw off my rhythm. After the move, I fell out of my routines and I mentally laid low for a while, while I became comfortable with my new circumstances. Now, inherently, there's nothing wrong with pumping the brakes when you get into a new environment. In fact, I'd say it's encouraged because how else will you know how to operate effectively? Um, as kind of a metaphoric example, running is not always effective in terms of moving forward when you find yourself surrounded by water, right? Unfortunately, though, what I did to myself was fall back on, on, on some unproductive habits. I wasn't slowing down in order to orient myself so that I can continue my journey. Rather, on some level, I knew I was hiding from my ambition, and I was using the responsibility that came with the changes in my life as an excuse to slide back into my comfort zone. My foundation, uh, particularly my habits, wasn't strong enough to keep me from slowing to a stop. However, what I certainly can't dismiss is the clarity that I didn't want to live a complacent life anymore. I knew the pain associated with working the grind uh, with no motivating ambition, and I didn't want to risk slipping to that state again. So I took the steps that I knew would pull me forward. Um, I picked up one of the books that got my gears turning in the first place, and I committed to re-motivating myself into a productive state once again. Although it took a few weeks, this experience taught me something about my own weaknesses associated with change and the importance of developing productive habits that can keep complacency at bay. I also recognize the importance of having a plan of encouragement to promote the re-engagement necessary to take the next step. This would not be the last time I faltered. Um, heck, you know, even right now I'm still recovering, hence why it's taken so long to get back on track here. Um, but each recovery is more effective in how you get back on track. We're made to learn and grow, and it's up to us to accept those lessons when they're taught. However, something I've learned that I wouldn't have thought to consider 
is that recovery time can be highly variable and could even take longer each time. Because the fact of the matter is that each recovery and personal growth requires a higher level of commitment because simply recovering back to the level you were the previous time would be like taking a step back in overall progress. And this is because even if we don't realize it, we're constantly growing, even in the smallest way. So we will naturally have to grow more each time we have to recover from any kind of slump. Um, and this is why it's so important to root yourself in a firm foundation and establish yourself at every level of growth along the way. Here's the piece of encouragement that I always seem to forget. We're not on this journey alone. And as soon as we start re-engaging, we, we start to recognize more opportunities and resources that we are blind to when we you know, started becoming stagnant. Personally speaking, as I started to get a little bit more momentum in my re-engaged study of personal development, I came across an opportunity within my organization to take an official role involved with teaching resilience and teaching other members in my organization some of the foundational skills that I've covered so far in this series. You know, this was great because not only was this an opportunity to get involved with something that I enjoyed, but hopefully the associated responsibility would encourage me to continue with my own study and practice. I always tend to perform better when others are counting on my results. I signed up for a training and certification and felt back in the game. Feeling re-energized, I was in a place where I could begin not only helping myself, but also helping others. I believe everything happens for a reason. Um, it just so happens that this pickup game I was playing may have been timed to support something extremely close to home. Shortly after I was certified and had the opportunity to experience the merit of the resilient skills in action, my wife and I suffered the loss of a pregnancy. And this combined with some follow-on medical complications resulted in a handful of emotionally rough months. Having the practice and understanding of resources helped us both cope with the often daily struggles. And as I've said before in this channel, having the skills of resilience aren't just for managing minor stressors. Rather, exercising those skills regularly with the minor stressors helps against the major unexpected disruptions. Experiencing the explicit importance of having a strong foundation of resilience, on some level, I was committed to furthering my understanding, pursue my ambitions with greater intensity, although I didn't realize this at the time. Through a windfall of circumstances, I was introduced to a handful of opportunities within, I think it was a week's worth of time. First, I started engaging with a marketing program designed to help coaches and consultants further their business. Second, I witnessed a number of firsthand accounts of personal struggle which stemmed from the lack of resource and understanding during a peer group discussion in, inside of my organization. And third, I was invited to further my training as a resilience instructor within my organization. So how did all these things complement each other? Well, do you recall how I committed my focus during my affirmations and visualization? Basically, I told myself that I'm a leader, a mentor, a role model, uh, confident with my ability to succeed with the goal of building a business dedicated to personal growth, starting from a role as something like a life coach. But that was supposed to be someday, years in the future, right? Well, I was suddenly faced with the reality of personal struggle requiring lots of resilience and reflection close to home. And shortly thereafter, I was introduced to the struggles and frustrations of my peers at the same time as being presented with an opportunity to accelerate my ability to help in combination with the outreach standpoint, that being the marketing, and potential time and finance standpoint, uh, starting growing a business, perhaps, and from a position of greater authority on the subjects of growth 
that being the greater training in my own skills. It all started to become incredibly clear in my mind and that this was the opportunity to act on my ambition. Too easy, right? Well, as we all know, um, that isn't exactly how the world works. Now, I will say, yes, all of these things were true catalysts for jump-starting my intentions. And yes, each of these opportunities were addressed in the best way they, they could have at the time. But once the excitement of all these prospects settled, I'll be honest, fear set in. Who would possibly come to me for help? I haven't exactly accomplished anything outstanding or overcome any major hurdle that others are desperate to overcome. I can help people grow in their resilience, sure, but no one actually seeks that out at face value. And what if I get in too deep and come across as a fraud because I'm not some expert in psychology? Is this really a thing I should be putting my attention toward right now? What about becoming an expert in my current job or pursuing a higher academic degree or focusing on um, investing pursuits? What if I am successful and my life gets turned upside down by my commitments outside of my family and core occupation? All these things started hitting me at once. And once again, I was intimidated by the concept of major change and disruption in my life. And the worst part was none of these concerns were unfounded. But one thing that I neglected to consider during all of this was my own growth. Sure, all these things would be concerning if I was picked up and dropped into a high profile position with no knowledge of how I got there. No, I had to remind myself that this would be a growth process for me as much as it would be for anyone who I might be helping down the road. I also had to remind myself that ambitions also evolve. As I grow, I was sure to gain a clear understanding of the directions my focus ought to go. And it's my job to ensure that I'm regularly addressing my values, how my attention or what I value aligns with them and how my goals support those values. After some opportunities of meaningful reflection, I came to realize that I would press forward with my ambitions. For my own clarity, I needed to start understanding specifically where those ambitions were going. And to do that, I had to start producing value ahead of my intent to grow a business or anything of the like. This isn't to say that a business couldn't be a milestone, um, but that rather if it was a goal, then my focus might be going to the wrong place. Only from a place of value could I truly understand what I valued and what I could ultimately offer. I decided that I wanted to start sharing regular insights that I gleaned about my life and what I observed. As I said before, unfortunately journaling didn't stick very well with me, but I did figure that sharing my thoughts via a podcast could help focus my attention. Plus there's the added bonus of receiving feedback and inherent accountability in having public activity. Um, that would hopefully obligate me to continue producing content because like I said, I always tend to operate a little bit better when other people are reliant on me, or at least I think they are. So with this in mind, I started actually recording notes of spur of the moment insights. And that's when I began to realize that I had these spur of the moment insights a lot more often than I previously realized. And just like with most everything, what gets measured gets managed, right? It's true about finances, media consumption, uh, exercise gains, calorie intake. Why should this concept be any less true with inspiration or insight? Again, this all ties back to the practical idea behind the law of attraction. It's not that things magically start working for you or magically start becoming a part of your life. It's more of a matter of recognizing what's already there. Those things that you've probably been too distracted uh, to see in the first place. Okay, so what's the deal with these insights I had been recording? Well, it was great. I had a lot of raw ideas ready to go, but now I had to commit to actually creating a podcast. 
what do I do? Where do I start? What's the what's the going to be the theme or the niche? Um, can I even come up with the appropriate amount of appeal? I started pondering a lot of these things and eventually came up with the perfect concept, but then I still held off. I wanted to make sure that I knew what I was doing first and not go off half-cocked. As I've said in previous episodes, one of my strengths is prudence and planning, but this makes it real easy for me to get into the cycle of perfecting non-consequential details, often at the expense of ever taking action, even after establishing the appropriate amount of substance. I sat in the cycle for about three months, pining over the branding format, the sound, the hosting details, and then the world fell flat on its face when COVID-19 was declared a pandemic. And the industry, including mine, uh, effectively came to a halt, at least publicly. I've mentioned this before, but I have a role in my organization as a resilience trainer. As such, I have an inherent responsibility to encourage my peers to practice a lot of the thought and skill exercises that I've presented on this channel. With our operations being limited to remote working, my role in encouraging people in the workplace became less apparent, and I felt as though I was letting down my peers if I didn't provide a way to help bolster personal effectiveness, especially in a time with routines being so disrupted and you know social safety nets being burned to the ground in the midst of everything. With the knowledge I had previously scraped together in the pursuit of my own podcast, I decided I ought to create a temporary program as kind of a stopgap measure. Thus, Good Morning Quarantine was born. Although I advertised the show mostly within my organization, I saw no reason why it couldn't be shared with the broader public. But because I decided to do this, I saw the benefit in applying some vague anonymity, as you have probably noticed. As an extra ounce of encouragement in developing the podcast, I looked at it as sort of a trial run for my own eventual brand and channel. Uh, this additional justification allowed me to reduce some of the self-imposed doubt in creating public content. Now, I don't need to go into the details about the channel at this point because, well, you probably wouldn't be gracious enough to be listening this far if you weren't already familiar with the content. However, I will say that producing the content was a perfect kind of challenge for me. It provided me with a motivation for consolidating a lot of my knowledge and it served as an outlet and a hobby to stave off some of my own demons. I started looking at my motivations, inner dialogue, and inspiration with a lot more clarity, and I started realizing some gifts that I had taken for granted for so many years. And I began to prove to myself that this was in line with what I ought to pursue. As I rounded out the second chapter of this channel dedicated to spiritual resilience, I came to the realization that I was actively engaged in my own pursuit, both in short-term and long-term goals, as I refined my own direction and purpose. Not only that, but I looked back at my notes or just for a single episode that I had created and I realized that it spanned over 11 pages of the guided content that I kind of create in helping rehearse this. Doing the math, I realized that by the end of this channel, I'd probably have something like over 200 pages of notes. And, you know, I never really had much ambition for writing a book, um, but with the legwork already done here, I figured it'd be foolish of me not to consider doing so. Now, this isn't to say I've actually done anything with that yet, but it is something that I'm considering and the prospect of that is kind of cool to consider. Plus, if I did end up doing this, it would help bring a sense of authority behind uh, potential brand and services in the future. So with that, the future kind of looked bright, but once again, this brought me to a place of uncertainty. Was I really ready to take these leaps, even if they were supposedly in the right direction? 
Am I understanding myself correctly? Or is this simply me latching onto something uh, with which I've gained a little bit of familiarity but may ultimately lose interest? Ironically, the last one is exactly the impression that likely came across after the twilight of the second season. Again, apologies for the hiatus. But the truth is, I was intimidated by continuing without clarity in who I was and where I was going. I got back to the books in terms of my own reflection and even shotgunned a handful of requests out to people who have been a part of my life up to this point, asking what their impressions of me and my abilities truly were. Especially considering, as I said before, that in my own mind I'd be a hypocrite if I continued on to this chapter of resilience, um, this chapter that dug into concepts that are more significantly addressed in my own shortcomings, if I did not have better clarity of my driving motivations and ultimate journey ahead. After a family trip and some more self-study time and uh, a more regular work routine now that we're back in the office, mostly full-time, oh, and the birth of my second kiddo and a holiday season and some mouth surgery that I'm still getting a little tongue-tied over, <laughs> hence why this may sound a little different, I was finally able to orient myself and get cracking on this narrative. But it turns out that I had a lot to spill out, as you may have noticed. Okay, so is there a so what here? Do I have any grand revelations from walking through this? No, not really. Um, however, taking the opportunity to navigate some of the milestones and elements that led me to where I am today did help me orient my perspective for the way forward. In between the lines here, I learned a lot about who I am and where I'm going. I learned that what I really want is connection and growth. And I also learned that I'm so subconsciously set on finding lasting solutions to these that I snub and self-sabotage opportunities for connection and growth that have even the slightest chance of being cut short. But as the saying goes, you can't win if you don't play. Another thing that I learned is that people commonly see me as an attentive listener. And you know, th this actually kind of made me feel a little guilty because while I know I could be an effective listener, I also knew that I could also be very distracted while people are talking to me. I realize though that I am actually very attentive when somebody needs my help or genuinely wants conversation. I'm not very attentive when I'm being talked at, whether it's in an academic setting or if someone is just venting their frustrations to me. If I can't bring value to the conversation, I tend to zone out. That's just the way it is. It also turns out that while I do care about people, especially those with whom I interact, I'm not overly compassionate or altruistic on a broad scale, generally speaking. It's just something that I found to be true. I strive for truth and efficiency, and I'll seek change to that end, but I'm also an advocate for stable environments with an effective status quo. This quality often butts heads with itself because I'm fairly good at defining objectives and creating strategic plans to meet them, you know, the efficiency, effectiveness, truth piece. However, on some level, I also understand that as soon as a path is clear to me, I often feel obligated to see it through. I become extremely engaged in that solution to the point that I often neglect other things, and that although effective, I don't like being in this place at the expense of other areas of my life. For this reason, I can almost guarantee that I subconsciously sabotage my progress if I believe that I'm in a place where progress and achievement might damage progress made in other areas of my life like family, faith, or general stability, aka that status quo I mentioned before. I don't necessarily see this as a bad thing, but like anything, if something becomes a routine, it becomes habit, and I may very well pass up opportunities for progress because I'm used to not doing something even if I've reached a place where that something is possible. 
I can't imagine this being a unique quality because, you know, we're all creatures of habit. But having this awareness of my own tendencies helps me call out any self-sabotaging actions or intentions so that I can at least lay out the baby steps I need to break out of a rut and regain momentum towards a goal, you know, such as this very broadcast. In addition to this, I've discovered that I'm motivated most by others' reliance on me more than my own personal ambitions. The more I can tie my actions back to benefiting others, the better equipped I am to follow through with a goal. So with that, thank you so much, my smart and capable friends. Understanding the source of these impressions and insights provides a lot more clarity, especially in discussing general topics of resilience. Hopefully, I'll be able to relate those insights to you effectively here forward. This is Gerg signing off for this one, but I promise I'll be back with the good stuff soon. If you enjoyed these ramblings and you want to come back for more, I'll talk to myself again for you next time. Thank you.